Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So when I was in high school, I wasn't a very hardworking student by any means. I wasn't a troublemaker, but I was an incredibly lazy person, working just the minimum so that my parents wouldn't get angry. I've always had some kind of uh, an easiness regarding schoolwork and never knew what it truly meant to make any effort. And so I just spent all of my classes drawing on my copybooks without many consequences. My junior year's math teacher, who was seen by everyone as uptight but very caring, was pretty upset about this, as were many of my previous teachers. He wanted me to work harder. I wasn't bad at maths. I was around 13th or 14th out of 20, I think. I'm French, but I assume this is like having a a B or a B- minus or something. But sometimes my grades were very low, I'll admit. During a teacher-parents meeting, though, he told my mum that I was wasting my capacity, that it was infuriating just how lazy I was. My mum then replied that she agreed with him and that she wouldn't blame him for pushing me harder and for punishing me if it was for making me work harder. And from this day on, he did exactly what she told him to do. In every single maths class, he would always question me first before anyone else. He was always sitting next to me when we were doing exercises. During the test, he was always telling me, you can do it. It made me feel incredibly uncomfortable because at this age, no one wants that kind of attention, right? My classmates started to realize that my math teacher was a little obsessed by me and were teasing me a lot about this too. The last class before Christmas break, the math teachers threw a little surprise Christmas party too. It was really nice. He gave us chocolates and mock champagne, and honestly, we had a lot of fun. During the party, he poured me another glass of mock champagne, telling me that I deserved it because I was doing a lot better. Quite honestly, it was actually true. Because of all that attention, I was forced to work, so my grades were around 15 or 16, which I think is like an A- or an A maybe. And so I accepted it, but I didn't drink it entirely. I have diabetes and already had way too much chocolate. But during the next class, I 
was feeling just awful. In fact, I almost fainted and finished my last day of school before Christmas in the nurse's office. At that time, I wouldn't even think that it was because of the alcohol-free champagne. I honestly thought that it was due to my diabetes, that I indeed had way too much chocolate, even if it didn't actually look like my usual crisis. A few weeks later though, my class threw some sort of a, a charity event or something. It was a class project and we were pretty proud about it. In my country, we don't have proms or anything, so it was our occasion to wear pretty formal clothes and go and dance together and whatnot. And the math teacher was invited and he was helping some of the boys tend to the bar. He served me an alcohol-free cocktail, but before I could drink it, a classmate of mine, Flora, poured some vodka in it. Even though it was forbidden to drink alcohol at the event... I was mad because with my diabetes, I couldn't actually drink alcohol, so I told her that she could just throw the cocktail out. At the time, I fought with her. She did this, but now when I think about it, I wonder if she didn't choose to drink it instead. The event ended pretty badly because of the alcohol Flora had brought. Some guys were very drunk. They started breaking things, and Flora passed out because of all the alcohol that she had, and this pretty much ended the event. Flora had been admitted to the hospital because her coma was pretty severe and we spent the next day being lectured by all the teachers of the school. Flora got expelled from the school and never went there again. I was pretty upset with her. I mean, because of her, the whole event would now be forbidden and our project was a complete failure. We gave a very bad image to the association that we were raising funds for as well, so it was a pretty bad thing that happened. So I just sort of kind of ghosted her and never asked her if she was doing better, etc. Now I feel bad about it, but at the time I was just pretty immature. But because of that, I guess I'll just never know if she was ill because of the alcohol or because of my cocktail and maybe something in it. But a few weeks later I failed a maths test. It had been a long time since I'd failed one too, and the maths teacher was pretty angry with me. He yelled at me in front of everyone saying how much of a disappointment I was, that I was hopeless, that I would just end up living in a cardboard box under a bridge. But something about this was just really off. I was feeling it. He had a really weird look in his eyes and it chilled me and I couldn't help it in the end and I started crying. He calmed me down a bit and said that he would just give me a, an hour of detention or something during which I could copy my lesson. I was a little surprised because normally detention is for bad behavior, not for bad grades, but I was a little relieved because it was a small punishment, and that meant that my parents would never know. But I lived kind of far from my high school, and there was only one bus every night between my high school and my home at 5pm, and because of that, even when I finished at 4pm, I would never get home before 5pm, and so when I had a detention between 4pm and 5pm, I could just blame it on the bus and my parents would never know. But then, when he officially gave me the detention hour, he said that he wanted to be personally present during my detention hour and that the only possible hour was during 5pm and 6pm. I was really nervous about this because I would have to tell my parents to come and get me at 6pm and then they would know everything. As I said earlier, I definitely wasn't a troublemaker by any means, so at first I just sort of planned to go to the detention hour, but during the day, my friends and I talked a lot about it, and I was feeling more rebellious all of a sudden. 
because of the sensation of being supported by my friends, I suppose. So I decided not to tell my parents that I was in detention and that one of my friends would pick me up at 6pm and drive me home. At 5pm, when heading towards the detention room, I was pretty angry, I'll admit, mumbling that it wasn't fair to be in detention because of the one and only bad grade that I had for ages. When I arrived in front of the detention room, I realized that I was the only one waiting. I then realized too that I would be the only student in detention, alone with the math teacher who was a little obsessive. And it was also getting dark outside. It was during late winter, early spring, so the night was pretty early. And after some thinking, it was a, a very big nope from me. And when I saw him coming, I sort of panicked. I said something like, Sorry, I have an emergency, I have to go now. I'll email the school for rescheduling my detention hour. And then I just quickly ran off. He started to yell at me that I had to obey him and go to detention, that he would call my parents. But at this moment, I just didn't care. I sprinted towards the bus stop and I caught the bus and remember too, he was scheduled for 5pm and I just went home. I was afraid that he was going to call my parents so when I arrived, I was literally shaking but my parents greeted me normally so I assumed that eventually he just didn't call them. But after this, the strangest thing happened. He just never came back the next day, nor the next few weeks. And eventually I learned that he actually quit his position. And then a, a shrink came during an hour to ask us if we wanted to talk about the math teacher, but as nobody knew what was going on with him, we didn't have much to say. And so the shrink left and we never heard of him again. Until... Just a few months ago. You see, I became a teacher. I know, kind of ironic given my laziness when I was a teen. But one day I was chatting with my co-worker and I mentioned his name talking about my weird and bizarre maths teacher and how I skipped a detention hour. And one of my oldest co-workers went very pale hearing his name. And it was because a few days after the detention hour incident, my maths teacher was arrested for having downloaded a few pedo-pornographic videos from the dark web and some kind of a snuff movie starring children and young teens. He was caught, charged, and convicted for what he had done. But it got me really thinking quickly. I mean, maybe this detention hour was just a detention hour and I would have gone out of it without any problem, but I guess I'll never know and... I'll always wonder what would have happened if I had stayed there or didn't catch my bus that day. I was a late bloomer in terms of sexuality. I had a traumatic experience that made me not want to date much in high school, so it's surprising that not even a year after graduating, I was so excited to date Jeff. He was older than me by a few years, and messaged me on MySpace that he thought that I was pretty and wanted to go out. We went out on a few dates and held hands. He thought that it was cute that I had never been kissed before. Things honestly seemed to be okay and he said that he respected that I wanted to go very slow. But one night he acted really strange. His friend Matt was over and they kept joking that they should take me to see their friend. 
I knew something was off because they kept joking that they shouldn't do it, that I was too pure and that I would freak out. This was over 10 years ago, so I'm not 100% sure, but I don't remember agreeing to go to this guy's house. I remember asking them to just take me home. I was uh, uncomfortable and I didn't want to meet this guy. After all, this was supposed to be a date night. Matt wasn't even supposed to be there and now I'm going to see some other guy. My intuition told me that something was really off about this. The drive, though, was up a long, unlit paved road up a mountain. On the way, Jeff and Matt were saying things like, Oh man, she's not going to be your girlfriend after this. And dude, we're all going to hell for this. I sort of tried to act like I wasn't crying in fear in the back seat. All I asked was where were we going, which they laughed at. So I just stayed silent and tried to focus on anything that could tell me where we were going. But it was in a really rural area that I've never been to before. But we got to the house, a single story two bedroom surrounded by nothing but unlit nothingness. The friend was an older man, late 30s, who I was told was a porn producer. He showed me his red room and Jeff pushed me into it. And at that, I let out the terrified scream that I'd been holding in the entire time. I can still hear how it sounded and it was awful. To this day, I can still hear how it sounded. It was truly awful, but they all laughed and I walked to the couch in the living room and stayed there the entire night. I was too afraid to even use the bathroom. And the rest of the night was spent with them just drinking beer while I sat on the couch digging my nails into the palms of my hands trying not to cry. I didn't eat or drink anything that was offered. Matt mentioned that Jeff used to bring his girls to this house to have sex and whatnot. Their creepy old friend joked that he could record it. Lots of uncomfortable sex jokes too. But the creepy old guy told me that virgins can make a lot of money doing porn. Like... He was trying to do me some sort of twisted favor. And although it was almost half my life ago, I remember exactly how that room smelled, how the fake leather couch felt, how time seemed to move at an inconsistent speed. I really don't remember how I responded to that, but after it, he backed off. Nothing bad happened that night, but when I got home, I just collapsed in the shower crying. I really don't know why I was taken to that house in the first place, but after that night, Jeff's tune just changed from we can go at whatever speed you want to this trauma is really holding you back. You need to just have sex and get it over with. Looking back on it all though, I'm just really grateful that I listened to my intuition and I ended things with Jeff and cut ties with all of his friends. My current boyfriend and I were talking about weird things that happened to us and I remembered this night so I thought that I would share it. But when I told him, he looked terrified and it was only then that it occurred to me that that night could have gone very differently. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So this happened about 10 minutes after I left work today, July 4th, 2020. I live in the northeast of Ohio and I got a new job about two months ago as a process technician at a dairy plant. It pays very good money considering it's a 34 to 35 mile drive one way. After about 20 or 25 miles I also drive through a wooded area. Nothing uncommon for me is where I live in any Ohio. Forests are very common and I pretty much lived in one behind my grandma's house growing up. But I work 4pm to 4am and the drive home, well to put it bluntly, really sucks. Whether it's being tired, hungry or the fog almost every night, I always go home the same way every day and night though. So I was driving my way home and I just left the residential area of my workplace and was going through the forested area. As I said, there's almost fog every night so I'm on high alert for deer, raccoons and all those such critters. It's just like every other drive home so far. I have my podcast on, focusing on the road, thinking of getting either a sausage McMuffin or McGriddle from McDonald's or something and sometimes looking off to the side of the road for any eyes reflecting off of my headlights. And all of a sudden, I actually see some reflecting eyes. And out of the woods comes a coyote. In my hometown, coyotes aren't too rare, I suppose. I mean, I've seen them by my high school, but I'd never seen one outside of my hometown, so it sort of surprised me, I suppose. But I start slowing down as it crosses the road, until it turns to my car and just sort of sits on the road. It sat about 10 feet from my car, I suppose. There had been no cars that I had seen since leaving the residential area, so I was just going to go around it, but I thought that it was just too odd of a thing to happen to just drive away from it. I expected it to just get up and walk away any given second, but this is where I began to get pretty scared. So I honked my horn at it, and after about maybe two or three seconds... It smiles at me. I have my brights on so I can see perfectly, but this coyote seems to have human-shaped teeth. My heart dropped and every hair on my body is raised just as I now recall this incident too. 
It only lasted about a second before just sitting up and running into the woods. I must have sat there in fear for a good five seconds at least before shoving my foot on the pedal and driving at a getaway speed. I didn't stop, I didn't get food because I had and still have just no appetite. I thought about the rest of the ride home, what I had saw, once doubting that I saw it all to begin with, but like I said, with my brights on and it as close to my car as it was, I saw it as clear as day. This coyote, I'm telling you, it had human teeth. And there was just no doubt about it. Now, I dabble into the paranormal and I know a little bit about cryptids. And is it possible that I just ran into a skinwalker or some sort of genetically mutated coyote or something? I'm also Native American if that counts for anything, but I don't know. It was just really weird, but... I would like someone who knows more about these things to help me out if they can. One thing that I do know for sure though is that I am finding a new way to work. So this is just one small piece of this story but it's true and I'm pretty sure that this was not a dream. So I woke up one night and checked my phone to see if my son had texted me goodnight. He's done this every day for years and I noted the time was 2.20am. I put my phone away and I just sort of stared up at the ceiling, lying on my back, waiting for sleep. My wife was beside me, spooning my side with her back to the only window in the room, which was about 20 feet away from her to my right. About 10 feet to my left was a walk-in closet and a bathroom. Both doors were closed. Behind my head was the headboard and the outside wall, and my feet extended out toward our other bedroom wall. Our bedroom door was closed, as usual. Our only window, which opens to the parking lot three floors below, was mostly blocked with a blackout shade and decorative curtains and whatnot. A small amount of light from a streetlight just outside crept into the room and gave the black shade an almost vague orange glow. And as I stared up at the ceiling attempting to fall asleep, I noticed that the air in the room felt thick. Like, sort of staticky, like on a TV. But then I also noticed that I could see sort of microscopic bits of lights flickering all over my peripheral. And there also seemed to be a noise in the background, like TV static again. I assumed it was my imagination, but I began to get a, a very weird feeling. Like, I was becoming scared. I tried to close my eyes, but that scary feeling turned into a real danger feeling. I turned to my right to wake up my wife. She usually comforts me when I feel scared. And that was when I noticed a huge tall black figure standing at the front of the window partially behind the curtain. And at that, my fight or flight response instantly kicked in. I felt imminent danger, but at the same time, it just didn't seem possible. So I quickly closed my eyes tightly and reopened them and the figure immediately took a sidestep to its left and I could now see the entire thing. It was big, it was completely black and possibly shiny maybe? It was very tall and had long arms and I swear to you that this is the truth but it had what seemed to be like two horns on its head. Probably the creepiest thing though was that 
was like totally silent, like there was nothing coming from it, no breathing, no shuffling noises, nothing. The only thing that I heard was the static sound and that was really faint. Now, I knew that this wasn't possible, but I was obviously in a total panic. My body was telling me to run now, but I blinked and it was one step closer instantly. I started shaking my wife and screaming her name over and over again, and each time I looked back at this thing, it was one step closer than before. I couldn't understand why she wasn't waking up though, so I started shaking her harder and harder and yelling at her as loud as I could, practically screaming her name now and fighting the urge to run, but knowing that if she didn't wake up immediately, something horrible and violent was going to happen. And the last time that I looked up, it was towering over us, only a couple of steps away, and I couldn't catch my breath. And then, all I remember is that she was holding me, and her bedside lamp was on, and everything was totally quiet. She told me that I had apparently been screaming in my sleep, screaming loudly like she had never heard before. She said that she couldn't wake me up and that I had just screamed and tried to fight her off and I was almost crying. It was one of the worst events that I've ever had and yeah, it absolutely terrified me. I know that a lot of people are going to think that it was a dream or sleep paralysis or night terrors or something like that, but man, it just felt so real. It occurred at a time in my life when strange and unexplained things were happening to me as well. Long story short, over a six-ish year period in my life, something was trying to make me commit suicide. Something was slowly affecting every aspect of my life and playing the long game. During this time, I had regular paranormal experiences, I lost my high-paying career, I lost my house and both of my cars, I lost nearly all of my possessions. I became estranged from my son, my parents, and all of my loved ones. Eventually, I got a divorce, I was charged with crimes that I didn't commit, I was faced with more hardship and depression than I thought possible to even survive. Also, this is not a story of how I found Jesus or anything. Although I've always been a Christian, I was estranged from the church during this time too. But what I do believe is that this must have been demonic or something evil. I have read true accounts of others who have been led to near suicide over a long period of time by something and they really feel reminiscent to mine. All I can say is that I'm glad to report that many years later, everything ended up working out for me which I'm really happy for. After high school many years ago, I was in a really bad place. My guardian had kicked me out after graduation. She didn't help me find a place to stay, so I lived in my car for a couple of months. I met some heavy metal dudes at work one day, and I'd seen them around town. All of my other friends knew who they were everyone loved them. We became friends over a couple of months and they offered for me to move in with them and I agreed. Looking back now, man, do I wish I just stayed in that car. My two main roommates were brothers named Andrew and Seth. They were in a band. They also believed in like a cult and anything of that sort. I never really personally believed in that stuff but I'm not one to tell someone what they should believe. 
They had to let me live with them rent free for several months, so who was I to complain? Being the only female in a house full of young men though, I was always sort of looking over my shoulder. I mean, you never know who you can trust, right? Turns out, I was very right to worry as well. So over some time, their friends started to stay with us for longer periods of time, sometimes weeks in fact. Their friends were another group of brothers that they had gone to school with. There were five brothers in total, but only two ever stayed with us consistently. The younger brother, Mark, was very polite. He cleaned up after himself and always helped with the household chores and whatnot. The other brother, Adam, had a laundry list of mental problems. He had apparently done some, like, bad drugs back in the day or something, and it had developed into what seemed like psychosis of the religious sort. He had actually done time in prison for assaulting a woman with a Bible. He would often look you in the eyes and tell you that he could see how you would die. Once he told me that I was possessed by a demon and I needed to cleanse my soul. Everyone in the house knew that he had these problems, but he was their friend. They helped him through the hard times and gave him a place to stay. Otherwise, he would be on the streets. I was always on guard around him, though, after the things that he told me. Nobody else seemed to be as concerned as I was, but they should have been. Because one day, I was sleeping and my phone rang. It was my boss. He asked if I could come into work an hour early. It was only 12pm and I was broke and had nothing better to do, so I said yes. I got up and began getting ready to leave and I walked out into the living room to see Mark and Andrew sitting on the couch while Adam sat on the floor by the TV. He was watching scripture videos on YouTube or something, some real end of day stuff. And that was fairly common for him though, so I just went about my business. I said goodbye and then I left for work. My shift at work was almost complete too when the phone rang. My boss answered, handing the phone to me and said, for you. I was just a cashier, so I assumed it was a friend that couldn't reach me on my phone or something. I answered the phone and I heard a man's voice that I didn't recognize. Hi, uh, this is Detective Williams. Listen, something happened at your apartment today and we need you to come to the station to talk about it. I left work immediately. I had assumed one of the brothers had been arrested for drug dealing or something. I was very wrong about that, but I got to the station and I was buzzed in. An officer escorted me to a small cold room with a camera. He gave me a bottle of water and left me by myself for about 30 minutes. My mind was racing thinking about what could have happened. But he came back in and informed me that Adam had actually stabbed and killed Andrew at around 1pm. To say that I was shocked was an understatement. I mean... I had just left the house an hour before it happened and everything seemed fine. I asked if there had been a fight and the detective informed me that there hadn't been a fight and it seemed to have happened just out of nowhere. I gave my statement to the police and I left with nowhere to go, still in shock and confused out of my mind. Our apartment was now a crime scene so I just went to another friend's house to watch the news report since the police wouldn't give me any information on the case. And over the next couple of days, the information began to be released. And it was true. Adam hadn't just stabbed Andrew once, not twice, but he had stabbed him over and over and nearly decapitated the guy. After the murder, he ran down the road apparently, still holding the murder weapon. He called 911 and informed them what he had done. I 
sat there and just watched the news report in absolute horror. We had known that he was unstable, but this? He had fully confessed to the brutal murder as well and provided police with all of his notebooks and stuff and just anything that he could. And he had apparently been planning to murder all of his brothers, my roommates, and even me. He honestly thought that we were possessed by demons and this was the only way to free us. Luckily, none of his other intended victims were home that day, but Mark unfortunately witnessed the murder. Luckily, he escaped, but if I hadn't have got that call from my boss that day, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't be alive today. When I was a child, my family often spent the weekends or the holidays at my grandmother's house. As a typical traditional Malay house, the house was made of wood and pretty big. Not a surprise though, since my father does have a lot of siblings, nine of them in total. But it wasn't just my immediate family. Most weekends or holidays, even my uncles and aunt will be there too long with their family. Sometimes there will be around 50 to 70 of us inside this house in fact. It was truly one of the fondest memories where the entire huge family would sit together to have dinner or celebrate birthdays and whatnot. And generally, it was a, just a really great time. One day though, my grandmother, she fell sick. The doctor simply told us that her health was deteriorating since she was pretty old at that time but didn't require hospitalization at that point. My dad and his siblings all made up their mind that my grandmother should stay with them. Every month she'll stay with one of her children's houses and I remember she stayed the most at my house since it was the biggest at the time. I was honestly happy since she was a great storyteller and also a great cook. In the meantime, my father and uncles hired a nearby neighbor to take care of and clean my grandmother's house every once in a while. Unfortunately though, her health continues to decline. She told my father that she wants to stay in her old home at first, we didn't really like the idea with her being alone in that house, especially with her declining health. But after a lot of discussion, my eldest uncle decided to build a house directly in front of my grandmother's house to stay. In the meantime, they'll rent a nearby house so he and my cousins could visit her every day. My father and his siblings also agreed to hire a nanny for my grandmother so she won't be alone. Fortunately too, despite no one having stayed in the house for about two years to this point, the house was relatively clean. Now, it had been almost a, probably about a week since my grandmother returned to her own house. The weekend was coming up though and my father decided to bring back the tradition of staying at my grandmother's. That Friday night, around maybe 20 of us were there I think. And it was that night that strange things began to happen. The first to notice something was off were my cousins. They were all the daughters of dad's younger siblings. They were always cheerful, but at that time, I just remember their faces were almost terrified all the time. I just chalked it up to kids being kids, which was kind of ironic since I was around 10 at the time. But then as I walked past their bedroom, I heard through the thin wall that the girls complained to their parents that they noticed a few shadowy figures had been all over the house. My uncle tried to convince them that it was just their imagination. I decided not to care much since I was just too tired and sleepy. 
But that night, while I was sleeping, I remember waking up and staring above and I saw something that I'll never forget. Just so you know too, a traditional Malay house rarely has a ceiling in the first place. The house beam was exposed and you can see the inside layer of the roof. And during my sudden awaking, I saw something like a, a shadow sitting at the house beam. I had to rub my eyes to see and after a while I sort of could make out what it was. It was a creature or something. I thought to myself at first, am, am I still dreaming? I was pretty terrified, but I could definitely see something there, but it was like my brain was failing to see exactly what it looked like. What I mean by this is that sometimes it sort of looked like maybe a lion or then a crocodile or something, and then it would sort of switch to a huge bird or something else. But then it looked at me, and all I remember were its huge red eyes and a huge wide grin filled with teeth. It was at this point too that I tried to scream my lungs out but my voice stuck at my throat and my body felt stiff like I was paralyzed. All I could do in the end was slowly pull up the blanket and hide my body underneath it and try and force myself back to sleep hoping that the whole thing was just a nightmare or something. The next day I simply sat alone at the stairs trying to get rid of the memories of what happened and process the whole event. But from the corner of my eye I could sense that someone or something had been peeking around from the toilet area looking at the living room. It looks as if it was a, a child or simply the size of a child anyway with sort of pale grey skin. Again too at first I just thought it was my imagination but it happened throughout the day and the nights and then I heard my aunts talking with each other and it turns out that I wasn't the only one who noticed it because apparently the entire family had seen it or rather we could only see it out of the corner of our eyes but when we all tried to turn to look at it directly it just simply disappeared. Some people as well decided to check it out themselves and yet there was always nothing there. My uncle quietly told us one day though that when a house was abandoned for too long, there's always something that tends to move in. The house was abandoned for about two years before this so obviously something had come in and now it felt like we were all simply the intruders. He told us that if we didn't bother them that they shouldn't bother us. That night we all prayed together as well as recited some holy prayers and yet I could still see this little stalker and I was beginning to notice a, a few shadows around the house that didn't belong to the furniture or the stuff in there. Worse for me though was that night. I had woken up again. This time this thing was already grinning at me with what I assumed the hand poking my cheek this time. It was a really weird sensation too because it didn't feel solid at all. It almost felt more like a, a cloud of smoke sort of brushing up against me. Again, I tried to scream, but my body felt stiff. Like before, I could only slowly pull up my blanket to cover my head and force myself to sleep, but I didn't dare to sleep at that house ever again after that. In fact, every time we went back to my grandmother's house during either weekends or holidays, 
I would simply choose to stay at my uncle's house that was right in front of it. But every time I entered that house, I could still sense this small figure poking out its head from the toilet wall or the shadows that would move around the house just all over the place. My grandmother passed away around eight years ago and since then we have just never had a reason to stay at that house ever again. The house was downsized as well while I was at university, but it still has the original layout of the lower area and whatnot. They only got rid of the upper area, in other words. I asked my father too one day why he didn't simply just demolish the entire building and start again. And he then told me that even getting rid of the upper area was difficult because workers apparently were being pushed by nothing and electronics and engines were always malfunctioning and in the end they just decided not to touch the bottom area and just use it as storage. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast and please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.